Hello and welcome to the Anatomy and Embryology podcast. My name's Sam Webster and with me is... Rhiannon Reed. Hello everyone. Hello, by uh, Skype, hence why you sound a little bit different to me. Well, sorry about that. But you still sound good. Okay, you don't need me to learn my voice or anything. No, sounds good, sounds good. Um, this week we're going to be talking about the 10 things you must know about the lower limb, or in fact we're going to be talking about the first five, aren't we? Yeah, because we haven't quite figured out what the second five are yet. <laughs> yeah, we'll do the first five in this one, because it'll probably be about 30, 40 minutes, and then we'll do the next five in the next one. Um, it's progress. Yeah, so lower limb is always good, good bit of solid anatomy. How are you doing, Rhiannon? Um, I'm okay, thank you. I have a little bit of a cold, but it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, this, you can't hear it. It sounds all right. Good. good. I'll try to sneeze. <laughs> sneeze and blow out the mic. If I do, please, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it away from the microphone. I'll try and edit that down in uh, in the editing, otherwise people's, yeah, if anybody's cycling or driving, it might uh, be painful. Anyway, so um, the five, the reason we talk about the lower limb is because I broke my foot. A little while ago. I broke my foot in February. It was a spiral fracture of the distal part of the diaphysis of the fifth metatarsal of my left foot. I'll bung up an x-ray or something. Um, yeah, so we thought we'd talk about the lower limb. I think we'll start off with the bones of the foot and how to break your fifth metatarsal. Um, number two is the knee. The knee. Yeah. Um, number three is the sciatic nerve. Um, biggest nerve in the body. Very important thing to talk about. Um, everybody's heard of sciatica. Uh, number four is veins, because we're going to talk about DVTs, if you know what those are. And uh, number five, we'll finish this podcast with talking about the compartments of the thigh. We might talk about the compartments of the leg as well. But the compartments of the thigh is a key idea. Helps you remember what is in each compartment, what their general action is, the nerve that innovates, and so on and so on. So... All right, Ree, ready? Yeah, brilliant. Let's go. Okay. How did you break your foot? <laughs> I did break my foot. Of all the interesting things that I do, I was running down the stairs to answer the door for the postman and missed the bottom step. Mm. So I, um, yeah, I thought the bottom step was the floor. It wasn't. So the next step went down to the floor and I over-inverted. So I inverted my left foot and then landed with all my weight on an inverted foot. So if you imagine my, my foot was twisted so that the outside of the foot was pointing down, landed on it with all my weight. And because the metatarsal bones had held really nicely at either end, um, between the ankle and the toes, um, the bone twisted and then snapped, which was not too painful. I remember being led on the floor with my head in my hands for a bit, but it wasn't that bad. Oh, really? So did you get? Did you actually answer the door? Or I did, yeah. I think it was a package for Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I have since added some uh, lights to the stairs that automatically come on when I walk down the stairs. Ah, <laughs> uh, good idea. stupid doing it once, you feel really stupid doing it again. Yeah, you? So, yeah. So, yeah, a little bit of extra lighting. Now I know where that bottom step is. Excellent. So, six weeks in plaster, a couple of x-rays, or six and a half weeks in plaster. Lost a lot of fitness, so my running is not so good at the moment. Um, I had the plaster off, what, end of March, so... I've been out of plaster for another six or seven weeks now, and uh, it's okay. It's good. It hurts a little bit the day after running, but um, my sports therapist guy got my got the mobility back in my ankle, which was important. Yeah. Um, the muscles of that side, as you can imagine, um, being in plaster for six weeks, they were really weak, like wet spaghetti weak, absolutely yeah. rubbish. 
so I couldn't run. But I could cycle. The swimming was pretty horrible for the first week, mm. but it got stronger. Um, so, so, and it, so it only hurts now after running. Well, you know, some days it, it aches, the bone aches. The other parts of the foot were hurting, I think, as probably as they were strengthening up again. But the bone, it kind of, yeah, the, ne- the day after running, it kind of aches a bit around there. But, I, you know, I think it's pretty strong now. It's a nice big solid callus in there, I think. Because um, yeah. they say, what, three months to six months after the fracture, it has healed. You know, you've kind of got an oversized callus holding the whole thing together. And then yeah. the next year it'll remodel so they, it'll... After in another year's time, it'll probably look like it did before I broke it. But at the moment, it's like overly strong, probably. Yeah. Well, but there you go. <sighs> so you know what are you gonna do? <laughs> so uh, you're obsessed with your metatarsals. Yeah. Um, so I've been reading about metatarsals. So um, some people keep saying, "Oh, so you've broken your toe?" No, I haven't broken my toe. Um, the phalanges would be my toe. Phalanges. Yeah, I broke my toe once. Did you? Yeah, that's pretty painful well, on its own, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was pretty painful. I was um, playing rounders on the beach, but I was also wearing swimming goggles. <laughs> of I course. did something. you do? Yeah, I collided with somebody, and um, it was sticking out to the side. But, oh, yeah. which toe was that? Well, I think it would have been my fifth proximal phal- Well, I don't know which phal- phalanx it was. It could have been... The distal one, I have no idea, but, yeah. but which toe was it? Fifth, my little toe. Oh, right, sorry. Ah. Sorry? Ah. That's how, how did that heal? Did you just snap it back into place and leave it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I just, um, you know... <laughs> no, Pull, I just snap. You, there's nothing you can do, really. I just take them together and yeah. hobbled around for a bit. Yeah, that's painful enough. You hear about people stubbing their toes hard enough to break them. Mm. 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 Anyway, forgot about that. Till then. Oh, there you go. So yeah, the uh, the metatarsals—they're really kind of the bones you're putting some weight on, the bones you're standing on. So I couldn't weight my foot. I couldn't walk on it, and it didn't get better with a few hours. So casualty, plaster, etc., yeah. etc. Et so we've talked about then uh, the phalanges. So the three bones in each toe, except for the great toe, the big toe. That's only got two, isn't it? Yeah, that's quite a good anatomy question, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it isn't it actually. It's a tricky one. Yeah, I might save that one. I'll put that away. Which toe doesn't have a middle? Yeah. Um, So otherwise you have uh, three phalanges, like the fingers, proximal, middle and distal. And then the metatarsals are the long bones of the foot, of taking up most of the foot, um, which would be similar to the metacarpal bones in the hand. And then what about the bones of the ankle? That's quite complicated, isn't it? I'll, I'll see if I can stick up an image with some arrows on it or a couple of images for this section. Yeah. Um... But uh, the image, the the bones of the ankle, where you've got the the talus, which articulates with um, the tibia, right? Yes. So that's the hinge joint, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You've got the calcaneus, which is your heel. That's the bit that sticks out the back, which your yeah. Achilles tendon attaches to, or your calcaneal tendon. That's why it's called the calcaneal tendon. So the muscles of the calf attached to that. And in between those bones, really, we've got the cuboid bone stuffed on the side, laterally. Uh, the navicular bone. Navicular, you know why it's called navicular? No, I don't actually. Tell me. Navicular, navy. It's shaped like a boat. Right. Honestly, it is. If you... <laughs> it's like C-shaped to me, actually. So... <laughs> yeah, exactly, C-shaped, right? If you take it out and look at the bone on its own, the bo- mm. you know, the bone, and it kind of looks like a bit like a boat shape. It's like, it's like a curve to it, isn't it? Okay. 
Anyway, navicular and cuboid then um, are articulating there. And then you have the cuneiforms, don't you? One, two, and three, the little cuneiforms. And it's all those bones there that are going to articulate with the metatarsals and um, so on. So the metatarsal is quite a common bone to break, isn't it? I mean, you can break it. It's very common in in casualty. Most people will fall down the stairs um, and break their feet. But you 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 can break these bones quite commonly in sport. Football's a bad one. Football's also, a classic. Yeah, also dancers, because if you have a proximal um, fracture, what's that? Is that a James's fracture? Jones's fracture? James <coughs> Jones? Answers on a postcard, one of those. Um, if you, because I, I fractured my, the distal part of my metatarsal bone. If you, it's more common, I think, to fracture the, the proximal part. And it's kind of oh, I was wondering where you were going to try and be different from everyone else, because it is <laughs> very common to fracture your fifth. First, second, and fifth yeah. are the most commonly injured. But if you have if you have a fracture like I did, kind of a distal spiral fracture, it's quite good because you've got lots of bone surface, right? So it's going to knit together quite nicely. It's kind of still held in place because it's a spiral fracture, so it was still it wasn't completely fractured across. It was still held, what uh, probably medially and inferiorly somewhere like that, because it was kind of held together a bit. But if you fracture it proximally, straight across, you've got loads of soft tissues involved there, and you've got all those small um muscles we got those long muscles of the ankle coming around um the lateral malleolus and what have you around there and uh the soft tissues get involved and it's a much more complicated injury you know it's 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 not so easy to heal and ballet dancers getting up on their toes um footballers yeah they're more likely to well i think they more commonly fracture it proximally so it's a bit luck of the draw as to whether it's going to heal on its own or whether it's displaced more and you have to fanny about with it or not so go on, you're you, you're the um, it's that clinical about, with, about it. with it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Pin it or uh, whatever else you need to do. So you know, mine was mine was mine as my um, orthopedic surgeon said. He, he reckoned it would probably heal quickly, um, and it would heal well. And he seems to be right. I mean, I've, I've been careful. I've been looking after it, but it yeah. can get more complicated if soft tissues get involved as well. Well, quite often the footballers come back before they, everyone reckons, you know, they break a mess of toss and they're oh, no, they're going to be out, they're going to miss the World Cup, rah, 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 and then they're back and fine. Yeah, because I've heard of some footballers being back after six weeks and some being back after, you know, 20 weeks. Yeah. So it depends on the fracture. It's quite variable. Go on, and tell it's uh, Beckham's famous for, isn't he? And Rooney. Beckham is famous. Wayne Rooney's done it a couple of times. He has he? broken. Yeah, he's done it a couple of times. He broke a fourth one. Ooh, yeah. Common. <laughs> Stevie Gerrard has done it as well. Um, Roy Keane actually cold loads. Michael Owen, all of them. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, if you spoke to my grandpa he's like oh it never used to happen in my day but they reckon maybe the boots or something they're not stiff and strong and so their feet aren't as well protected but it does oh, seem to be happen like quite often yeah 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 so obviously when people said what have you done i said ah you know it's, it's the footballer's injury i didn't say it was the yeah. dancer's injury no <laughs> not the ballet dancers there's <laughs> any famous ballet dancers that it happened to you couldn't you could. i did try i couldn't find any no not 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 that I'd recognise their names, so... I, I don't know any. Sorry. Darcy Bustle, I think she's been all right. Uh. She's about the only one I know. Oh, one interesting person I did find who yeah. broke yeah. Metatarsal was um, a guy called Dominic Monaghan. Ah, from Have Lost. you watched Lost? Oh, yeah. Following the sixth series. Okay. Waiting Never for it to end and tell us what's going on. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad he's back in the sixth series. Okay, well, brilliant. Everyone who watches Lost knows who he is. He was a hobbit as well, wasn't he? 
he was that's how I know him, one of the ugly little hobbits. Do you not watch but, Lost? No, I didn't well Oh good God, you got a lot to look forward to. Well, yeah, exactly. There is plenty of time though. Um but he, yeah, he broke a metatarsal. How did he do that? Um, was he d- dancing? He did it when he was surfing. How did you do it when you're surfing? I really don't know. But he, what is following <laughs> is he was surfing with Kalani Rob. I mean, for those of you out there who surf, you'll know who Kalani Rob is. But I mean, Rob? It's just this Sounds pretty like legendary surfer. And he was surfing in Hawaii with them. And oh, <laughs> oh, Probably why he was filming Lost, is it? Oh, I just don't know. I read that and I got nice. quite... How was he? Uh, anyway. Uh, anyway, so it can happen pretty much doing anything. Run downstairs to get the door or surfing or, or base jumping or whatever yeah. yeah so metatarsal bone commonly fractured i don't know how often you fracture the others i mean not you personally but you know yeah nowhere near as common as the yeah. um, metatarsals by the same but from the reading i've done mm. yeah they are those long bones that uh, take quite a bit of stress. And because they take quite a bit of stress, you've got to fix them before you can really put any load on them. Mm. Um, so, okay, I'll stick some images up, but make sure that's one thing you've got to know, really. You've got to know the bones of the foot, and we included the bones of the ankle in there as well. It's real, it's pretty basic stuff. Um, I know the bones of the ankle can be a bit tricky, but if you spend a little bit, there aren't that many bones there. It's not as bad as the wrist, is it? No. So if, and they're big, no. obvious bones. So if you look at the talus, calcaneus, and then cuboid and navicular, well, once you recognise the navicular, you know which one's the cuboid, and then you have those cuneiforms, one, two, three. Easy. So there's a job to do. All right. Um, so moving on from talking about me, let's talk about the knee. Yay, the knee. The knee. I, it, I always... <laughs> this kind of comes up as an anatomist. People ask me, is it true that there's no name for the back of the knee? <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. I don't know why they ask it. So the knee is the knee joint. And okay, you've got, I mean, from the front, it's obviously anteriorly, it's obviously the knee. And you've got the um, uh, patella. And the back of the knee is called the popliteal region. It's one of my favourite anatomical words, that. Popliteal. It's just nice. Quite nice, isn't it? Popliteal. Yeah, love it. Yeah. So the knee in the popliteal region. What do you need to know about the knee? Well, the knee is a hinge joint. It's a hinge joint between the tibia and the femur. And it has the patella um, gliding across it. The patella is obviously within the um, quadriceps tendon, sometimes called the quadriceps ligament. Yeah. Um, which probably, well, probably protects the joint when you're kneeling. And it possibly gives some mechanical advantage to um, the quadriceps muscles and the quadriceps tendon because it pushes it out a little bit. Um, so there are a few reasons, a few hypothesized reasons why the, um, patella is important. Um, so it's a hinge joint. Sorry. I didn't say a word. Oh, um, the fibula isn't involved. So it is particularly femur and tibia, the big bones. The tibia is taking all the load there, isn't it? Um, what are the muscles then that cross the knee? So I've mentioned the quadriceps. Muscle group. What else is there, Re? Of course. Okay, you've got your your hamstrings at the back. Is that what you're yep. uh, aiming yep. for here? So the quadriceps um, got... are going to extend the knee. Yeah. And then your um, the hamstrings, the group of muscles at the back, are going to flex. 
flex to me. <laughs> what I quite like about uh, as well the popliteal region um, is if you, well, I don't know where you are, everyone, but if you're in a public place, make it look like you've got a bit of an itch on the back of your leg. But um, you can actually <laughs> feel the the tendons um, of your of, of around the uh, popliteal region, the the um, back of your knee. Just have a really good feel, and immediately you can feel the tendons of the semi membranosus and semi tendinosus. Yeah. You feel those? Yeah. Laterally, my, my lateral one's a lot easier to feel actually, and that's the um, tendon of biceps femur. I got skinny. Then you got a nice. really good itch now. Nobody will know. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I. That's how I remember it as well. Semimembranosus has got all the M's, so that's medial. Oh, clever! And then semimembranosus and semitendinosus obviously go together because they're two halves. Semi. Yes, and you can't feel the two. Yeah, just about. So yes, yeah. Tendinosis is roundy and membranosis is flatty, hence the names. The biceps femoris then is left, so that's obviously lateral. Mm. Easy to remember then. Mm. So they both cross the knee, they cross the hip as well. Um, that's it for the knee, isn't it? So that's nice and simple, as in muscles. Yeah. So one of the most important things about the knee is its stability. Yeah, and, and the stability is mainly sort of dependent on the condition of those muscles that are surrounding the knee. Yeah, so if people have got um, knee problems, I know physios tend to say, go to the gym, work your quads, yeah. get your quads nice and strong and balanced. Yeah, condition yeah. your quads. And and it's both sides of the quads, you know, if that's balanced, then um, the knee is yeah, the knee's kept in, in line. But how else is the knee kept stable? Oh, are you talking about ligaments? Yeah. And these are really important. These are the reasons I don't go skiing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's um there's quite a few ligaments, isn't there? If you have a look at diagram, um it can get a bit confusing. There seem to be an awful lot. There are two classic um uh, uh, uh groups, if you like, of the knee ligaments. Yeah. And um some are outside the knee capsule and some are inside. Yeah. That's the way to look at it. Um, sorry, there is the recycling van coming around. So I would go into the capsule of the knee, but it's a bit boring and it's a bit complicated and looking at a diagram would explain it far easier. So if you want to have a look at that, fine. But the ligament-wise, if we um, just have a look at the ligaments that are outside the capsule to start with. Right. You mentioned the patella ligament, did you? Um, well, I mentioned the patella tendon, which sometimes gets called the patella yeah. ligament. Fine. Then um, you've also got the uh, collateral ligaments, okay? So yeah. lateral, one on either side. So you've got a lateral collateral <laughs> and a medial collateral. Yeah. Um, you've also got a couple around the back. Um, one's the oblique popliteal and one's the arcuate popliteal. So you've got lateral collateral, medial collateral... Um, on the sides, then you've got yeah. on the back, so we're back in the popliteal region, oblique popliteal and arcuate popliteal. Uh-huh. Um, okay, the reason that we're just talking about these is because um, your collaterals are quite often, um, they can be injured. Yeah. Um, not an uncommon knee injury. So if you're going to have damage to your, the medial collateral, collateral is the most commonly damaged, and you can imagine, if you know, visualise it, if there's a big impact from, on the outside of the knee, so somebody tackles you in rugby or kicks you in football, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, pushes that knee in. Visualise it, push it in, and that's the medial collateral that gets... The medial collateral gets stretched. And... Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's when you call you've sprayed, you know, or sprained my knee, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, as you can probably imagine, why it's um, less common to get the to the lateral collateral damage because you have to have impact from the inside of the knee. And although you can still, I can still see that have you know rugby and all that kind of thing. Yeah, usually the other legs in the way, is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure everybody at the moment is also screaming about the inside ligaments, the cruciate ligaments. Oh, yeah. Which I bet everybody's heard of. Yeah. Anterior and so, posterior. Cruciate cross, because they cross over. These are right in the middle of the knee, aren't they? They're yeah. quite pretty, actually. Yeah, you think? Oh, well, just their arrangement. Yeah, it's mm. quite... Nice. Cruciate cross, they cross over. The anterior cruciate and the posterior cruciate. Yeah, these are the ones that, yeah, again, if you have that same sort of injury and you tear the medial collateral ligament, that also it's the cruciates that take a lot of the strain as well. Yeah. Because they're right in the middle of the knee, oh, 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 they can, yeah. yeah, you damage those, they often end up needing surgery yeah. and sometimes never, never repair, never recover to how the knee well, was before. Well, ligaments are so difficult to heal. Yeah, they're rubbish and there really isn't that much known about them. There isn't that much funding, say, compared to cartilage. No, exactly. Well, when I was doing my research on tendons, um, obviously, you know, relatively similar to ligaments, um, you know, tissue-wise, and just the repair is just terrible. Yeah, they haven't got much blood supply. They're, you know, they're worse than tendons for blood supply. Yeah. And they're just, yeah, full of collagen. Yeah. You try nailing that back on. Yeah. So um, it's the anterior cruciate you usually hear about, isn't it? The knee gets twisted, yeah. or again, you get that blow from the outside of the knee, and that tears... Yeah. Um, and the pro- the posterior cruciate or can also be torn, but it's less common. So there are various ways of fixing it, but you really want it's to look stronger. after your cruciates. Yeah, the, stro- the posterior one is a bit stronger, apparently, so that is so it? It means that it's less. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, have strong quads and be careful of your ligaments. Yeah. And your knee will be fine. <laughs> Keep it in line. Um... What else we got in the knee? We've got the menisci. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Medial and lateral. Who's surprised there? <laughs> so these are kind of wedges of fibrocartilage that yeah. kind of support the knee a little bit, don't they? Yeah. They they, they cover those the articular surfaces of the tibia, so they make that nice smooth um, kind of... What are they? They're like a kind of... Well, they're a disc, basically, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and the kind of if you look at it in cross section, it'd be a wedge. It's kind of filling yeah. the gap you get there. Um, typically, if somebody says they've had their cartilage removed from their knee, this is the cartilage they're talking about. They're talking about the fibro cartilage of the meniscus. Mm. Very, very rarely are they going to be talking about the actual articular cartilage that they've had removed because you know that's extreme. Mm. Yeah. Um, so menisci. Um, what else we got? Bursi. Oh yes. Yes, yes, yes. There's, I got confused with Bursa when I was um, learning my anatomy, I think. I didn't really grasp that they're just sacs full of synovial fluid. Yep. Um, I don't know why I didn't grasp that fact. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're basically, you find them wherever skin, um, uh, um, muscle, tendon, rub against bone. Yeah. So wherever there's going to be uh, friction, they are basically act as cushions to reduce it. Yeah. And allow the movement, and there are quite a lot in the knee. Yeah, don't need to know the detail, really. Do you just need to know what they are, that they exist. Not, yeah, not really. Um, as we're talking about our own injuries, I did have um, an inflammation of my pre-patella bursa, Ooh. or housemaid's knee. 
as the doctor called it, and as my husband found absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, but it was surprisingly sore. And How I think did you it do was, that? Um, well, I think it's because Dexter and I are always playing on the floor, crawling around. I kneel on, I don't know, bits yeah. of jigsaw, um, you know, whatever all sorts of toys and stuff and I was just constantly on my knees for a long time and just that sort of that constant use just really um caused inflammation basically so what is it do you do you tear the dirt bursa damage the bursa well blood vessels bleed into it and the inflammation reaction because you know it's the impact basically and um yeah I had to have ibuprofen cream for my poor little knees so what was the pain, just with kneeling or walking or...? Mainly kneeling. Oh, OK. Bending, though, was a bit of a... Yeah. You know, a bit of a problem. A dodgy knees, anyway. So now you've got a really good idea of where your pre-patella bursa is. Yeah, now all of a sudden, bursa's easy. <laughs> OK, is that all healed up now? Mostly. Yeah. Every now and again, if I've had a particularly hard day on my knees. <laughs> Chasing um, Dexter around. Yes, yeah, but no, it's all right. <clears throat> and ibuprofen cream lasts for ages. Anything else we need to talk about with the knee? Nope, done. Joint, muscles, ligaments, those are the key, really, aren't they? Mm. You've got to know the anatomy of the knee. Um, yeah. Okay, talking about the muscles, um, we can talk about the nerves of the muscles. So number three was the sciatic nerve. Um, what do we want to say about the sciatic nerve? Um, the sciatic nerve is the longest nerve in the body it's the biggest nerve in the body i think the longest cells in the body are going to be in the sciatic nerve because you're going to have neurons running down the length of the thing i remember dissecting it it's chunky yeah it's a big thing yeah um and it splits usually part way down the posterior thigh um into its two other nerves we'll get back get to that in a minute um <laughs> so the sciatic nerve i mean it comes from the lumbosacral plexus, doesn't it? Yes. So we've got a lumbar plexus, which is in the abdomen, really, um, although it starts in the abdomen and much of it's in the pelvis. Yeah. The uh, sacral plexus, which is in the pelvis, it sits upon the muscles of the of the pelvic wall and uh, the pelvic floor and the muscles which are going to form, which are the muscles of the hip. And um, the coccygeal plexus is just a little thing on the bottom. You don't need to really worry about that. But the lumbo we can't look at the lumbar plexus on its own and the sacral plexus on its own because the sciatic nerve has origins in spinal nerves L4 through to S3. So if the lumbar plexus is L1 to L4, well, L1 to L5, really, um, the sacral plexus is S1 to S5, then the sciatic yeah. nerve covers both. So roots from L4 and L5 come together to form the lumbosacral trunk, which go down um and then add to the sacral plexus then s1 s2 s3 all come together to make this monster nerve that goes straight out the back through the greater sciatic foramen right monster nerve i like that monster nerve um and then it pops out the gluteal region doesn't innovate the gluteal muscles though no Um, it usually pops out just inferior to piriformis that pear-shaped muscle of the hip and then runs straight down the back of the leg um, so we were talking about the nerves of the, well, we're talking about the muscles of the knee. So yeah. the muscles of the anterior thigh, the quadriceps, they're innervated by the femoral nerve. Yeah. The muscles in the medial compartment 
are innervated by the obturator nerve. The muscles on the posterior thigh and everything else is innervated by the sciatic nerve. Yeah. So it's got a big job to do. Obviously, depend if you have a um if you were to have an injury to the spinal nerve, depending upon it the level, it could have different <laughs> effects. But if your spine if your sciatic nerve don't work, yeah, you're in trouble. Your leg's gonna be not working properly. Yeah, yeah. Um and I guess most of the audience have probably heard of sciatica. And yeah. most of the audience are aware that sciatica is shooting pain down your, the back of your leg. And that's sciatic nerve. Because it's got so many roots, L4 through to S3, it's more likely to have part of it impinged by a... Obstruction? By a... Yeah, slip disc. By any sort of obstruction, like a slip disc or something, to cause sciatica. Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's quite open to that. And I guess being such a big nerve, if you... If you do impinge it, oh, you got to feel it, aren't you? <laughs> um, okay. So also, it doesn't always come out through, it doesn't always come out inferior to piriformis. Sometimes it goes through piriformis. Um, so that, I think in, in, in athletes, I know that um, piriformis itself can also affect um, the sciatic uh, nerve yeah, and cause yeah. some of the problems. You know. like that can put pressure on it itself as well. Yeah, yeah. The sciatic nerve also, if you're sticking a needle into somebody's bum, you need to know where the sciatic nerve is so you don't stick the needle into the nerve because that would be bad. <laughs> yes, I'd say that would be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay, so we talked about it splitting, didn't we? So as it runs down the posterior thigh, it yep. splits into the tibial and common fibula or perineal nerves. So the yep. tibial nerve keeps running down the posterior leg, so distal to the knee. And the common fibular nerve then runs out laterally to innervate the muscles of the um, lateral. lateral compartment of the leg. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, about it. That's it? about it, isn't it? But sciatic nerve, you got to know all that stuff. It's key. It's, it's a classic. <laughs> it's big. It's, big it's important. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that was easy, wasn't it? Okay, let's change tacks. Let's go from um, talking about muscles and nerves and that sort of thing to talking about um, vasculature. Uh, something really important in the lower limb is veins and venous return and getting the blood back from your toes back to your heart, which is quite tricky, isn't it? Yeah. It's a long way to go. It's a long way to go. Well, not for me, but, you know, <laughs> to all the people. God, yeah, torpy would be even worse. So it's, it's, I know that in the leg, it's generally considered that uh, uh, it's not just the heart pushing and pumping and sucking blood, pushing blood out and then sucking blood back up from the lower limbs back up into itself. It's also important that the walking around, the muscular action, the muscles contracting and relaxing also helps pump the blood back up partly to the, um, to the torso, doesn't it? Yes. But we've got two groups of veins in the leg. We've got deep veins and we've got superficial veins. Yeah. So deep veins, that kind of helps with superficial veins. It doesn't. Do you want to tell us a bit about those veins? Um, well, if you like, the superficial, yeah, not really. <laughs> the superficial <laughs> ones are the saponous veins, so the great saponous and the small. They pretty um, much come from the same place, don't they? There's like um, there's a loop on the foot or something. They both come from that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You can actually see it on like um 
I don't think you can see it on me. But on relatively lean people, um, <clears throat> take your sock off, try and do it surreptitiously, everyone. But if you look around the um, uh, med- your medial ankle, just uh, above your medial malleolus, can you see that? Um, yeah. And you can see the great stuff in the stain. Actually, I'm going to have a look. I don't think you can see it on me. My legs are really good for that because mine are really skinny. Mine are really yeah, lean. Yeah, mine aren't, especially not my ankles. So I don't not- know if I want to put photos of my feet up, though. <laughs> Mine do no good whatsoever. But anyway, it's a shame thing. you're not here to paint the veins on my legs. Oh, yeah. As we've done in the past. Yeah, but anyway, that's where <laughs> you get a bit of surface anatomy there. So they're the superficial ones. Um, so if you're on a train, take your shoes and socks off, <laughs> get them up on the table, and have a little poke around and see if you can find those veins. And just explain to everybody, you know, <laughs> it's important and you're not going mad. Um, the deep veins of the lower limb, you've got. Tibial veins, you've got yep. anterior and posterior ones, you've got popliteal, I love that one. Guess where that is. <laughs> yeah, back of your knee. Um, and then you've got the femoral vein as well, and that's pretty deep too, which runs with the femoral artery. So the the tibial veins come together to form the popliteal vein, which is obviously in the popliteal region, the back of your knee, mm-hmm. and as that ascends, it becomes the femoral vein, doesn't it? The femoral vein then ascends, and then it... As it passes underneath the inguinal ligament, so as it goes into the pelvis, yeah. it becomes the external iliac vein, which obviously goes back to common iliac and so on and so on. Brilliant. The great venous vein drains into the femoral vein, doesn't it, up high in the thigh? Up yes, high in the middle of the thigh. The small venous vein, does that drain into the popliteal vein? Yes, that's right, Sam. Okay. Um, the other interesting thing is that where the great saphenous vein drains into the femoral vein, um, so the leg has uh, a layer of fascia. It's like having a stocking on, right? Right. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. So it's like having a stocking. There's fascia of the leg holds it all together, creates those compartments. Now, the femoral vein's a deep vein, so it's inside the fascia. The great saphenous vein is a superficial vein, so it's outside the fascia. Yeah. So where the great saphenous vein drains into the femoral vein up high in the in the thigh, almost up in the groin, pretty much up in the groin, there's a hole in the fascia. So there's a there's weakness. There's a hole in my fascia. There's a hole in my fascia, dear Liza, dear Liza. Yeah. That hole then is a weakness. So when you're thinking about um, hernias, have we talked about hernias before? I think we have, haven't we? Yeah. So we've talked about um, inguinal hernias. This is where a femoral hernia would push out through, push out through that hole. Excellent. Ah. Da-da. And it all comes together. Yeah, if you're trying to link together the anatomy. So. And that's why there's a hole there. Mm. Two veins together. So why are we harping on about the veins of the leg, apart from femoral hernias? Why are the veins of the leg important? Oh, because of deep vein thrombosis. Deep vein thromboses, yeah. Um, Bit of DVT. DVT. So a thrombosis is a clot. Um, We've talked about, we've said the circulation is helped by the pumping action of the muscles. So if you're sat on a plane for God knows how many hours and you're not getting up, you haven't got that pumping action. So the flow isn't so good in the veins. Uh, And some people are more like, there are other risk factors as well, aren't there, for forming... Clock. Oh yeah, I'm there's not really all good sorts. Those. What are they? Um, all sorts of things. Um, smoking. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, obesity. Recent surgery. Anything like you say. Recent that surgery. That's where they put the stockings on your legs, don't they? Yes. Yeah. 
stockings. Um, I had to have them when I had my cesarean, in fact. I, I wear those after running. Kim doesn't mm. like them if I wear them with shorts. I can understand that. <laughs> they help recovery. In fact. Um, cancer can be a, a risk factor. Oh, really? Um, taking the pill for women. Um, oh, yes, of course, yeah. Third factor. Um, yeah, all sorts of things. All sorts of things. So if you have an increased risk of clots generally, then you have an increased risk of DVTs. Why are DVTs important, everybody? If you have a clot... <laughs> in one of the because it's only going to occur in the deep veins isn't it yes only superficial deep veins. veins is not so much of a problem yeah. um, but if you have a clot in a deep vein say in the popliteal vein where is it going to go tick tick you've tick. got to think of the root of the blood come on everyone so the the veins are getting wider and wider so you've got a clot in your popliteal vein goes to the femoral vein goes to the external iliac vein goes to the common iliac veins these veins are getting bigger goes to the inferior vena cava bigger again and then it's straight back into the heart so your clots in the heart go straight through the heart out into a pulmonary artery Uh uh-oh these are getting smaller now smaller 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 blockage you get um, a clot if you block one of the pulmonary arteries you're you're likely to have a cardiac arrest a cardiopulmonary arrest right which is usually followed by death it's particularly bad because I think if you have um, um, a blockage in a pulmonary artery and somebody goes into cardiac arrest, you're not likely to resuscitate them. Um, at the very least, you're going to have a pulmonary embolism, which is not nice. You know, it, was, it was, feels like a heart attack, really, yeah, real, really breathless, uh, pain in the chest, you know, that sort of thing. So if you have those symptoms and you've been on a flight recently, call an ambulance... <laughs> get to hospital it's not funny it's not funny <laughs> it's not funny um and these things are killers and that's why so think you think about that route small clot and a small vein it's going to run all the way up to the heart through and out into the lungs yeah. bad yeah. so veins are obviously very very important um there's another use for the veins though isn't there well, there's other two other things there's, there's varicose veins which you see yeah um which is to do with again pressure Veins not being very thick-walled, um, valves preventing the backflow of the blood kind of yeah. cause the vein to get stretched, dilated, longer, folded to get varicose veins, yeah. which may or may not be a problem for people. Yeah. Um, but there's another route. The, the saphenous veins also get used for something interesting, don't they? Yeah, they get used in vein grafts um, when you're looking at um, coronary surgery basically when you're looking to do a um uh, bypass bra- bra- yes that's the word thank you bypass. um they like apparently surgeons might be some potential surgeons out there they do like to use um other arteries what was one internal thoracic i think they quite like using um and radial yeah. arteries but the veins that they use um is the saphenous vein you think about it it's quite easy to uh, locate get hold of and um, take out and and it doesn't have uh, really an effect of the drainage of the lower limb as the other, other veins are quite enough to uh, cope without one. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. So there's a side note. <laughs> but so, what I quite liked when yeah. I was reading up about it, and it, seemed, it seems incredibly simple, it is, ob- it's very obvious, but it was just a little thing that I read, and I was like, that's pretty cool. But um, if you think about the flow of the vein, they, the, the valves that you mentioned that um, kind of don't work properly in the varicose veins, um, when they do a graft, they have to turn, they have to reverse the vein. Gotta put it in the right way around. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, you know, something incredibly simple as like that. And uh-huh. Yes. 
So it's important that you know that the valves are there yeah. for that region reason. Yeah. Okay, good. So veins, veins of the leg, very important. You got to know them because if you're looking for a clot, you got to look for the veins. Good stuff. Okay, thank you, Re. Number five, last one. Something we've already alluded to a little bit is um, something I think is important and makes life a lot easier is the compartments, particularly the compartments of the thigh, mm. which are formed by fascia. So we talked about the fascial stocking. And then we have the anterior thigh, the medial compartment of the thigh, and the posterior compartment are um, self-contained spaces, really, in the thigh, aren't they, with yep, muscle, right. nerve, and um, surrounded by fascia. Yeah. So I mentioned the anterior compartment, which has got the quadriceps in there. It's also got sartorius. Um, it's got the hip flexors, so iliopsoas, iliacus, psoas major, psoas minor, pass in there, and so on. So we're talking about hip flexion, knee extension, and yep. the femoral nerve goes in there. So that yep. innervates all those muscles. Easy peasy. Um, and the femoral artery runs down there as well. Brilliant. So that's well, the anterior. That's anterior. the anterior compartment. Okay. Yep. And we mentioned the posterior compartment because we said the sciatic nerve runs down there innervates those muscles and those yep. are the, the um, hamstring muscles do you know yep. why they're called hamstrings no if you've got a pig it's a good way to string it up stick a hook in its hamstrings oh, really yeah that's where the name that's came from yeah yeah that's where it came that's where the word came from any oh. butchers out there do you still string up your pigs by their ham by their no. hamstrings I <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but biceps femoris semitendinosus semimembrosus nice and long stick a hook through there hang your pig up see Anyway, anterior compartment, the posterior compartment, uh, what's in the medial compartment then? Medial compartment, you've got another load of muscles, you've got your adductor muscles, so adductor longus brevis, uh, magnus, you've got the obturator internus, a um, bit of a rotation of the hip there, and you've also got the gracilis, which is one of my favourite muscles, it's pretty, um, and you see it on you know, lean people. Um, so they're all... Inner thigh, um, adduct as and slight rotation. Um, innovated by the obturator nerve, haven't really gone into that, I might look at that a bit later. So the obturator uh, nerve is another nerve of the lumbar plexus. Mm. Um, and it, it's really nice to find because it runs around the rim of the bowl of the pelvis and then comes out through the obturator foramen, which is that big hole in the anterior pelvis in the pubis bit, mm-hmm. um, where it comes out a little canal at the top because it's covered by ligaments in life isn't it so mm. that, that pops it out perfectly into the uh, medial compartment brilliant don't need to know any more about the obturator nerve that um and also fortunately the blood supply is also from the obturator artery which, which takes the, the same route pretty much yeah branch of the internal ilia yeah um so you've got largely it's the adductor muscles which adduct the leg so bring the leg back to the midline so the meat the abductor muscles would be part of the gluteal group um the adductor muscles are in the medial compartment um they're all innervated by the obturator nerve except for uh, is it part of adductor magnus yeah i think part of adductor magnus is innervated by the sciatic nerve uh, so watch out for yeah. that. but otherwise medial group obturator <coughs> nerve adductor muscles plus as you said gracilis and so on and so on yeah good stuff and you're right because um Learning the compartments of, for anatomy, sort of for the thigh, for the leg, learning those compartments just helps you break down an, an absolute mass of anatomy into smaller 
Well, bite-sized segments. Yeah, you don't have to learn, oh, that muscle is innovated by that nerve, and that muscle is innovated by that nerve, and that muscle is innovated. No, you learn where the muscle is, what it attaches to, so what it does, that's important. You know the nerve that's there, bada-bum, bada-bing. Yep, and also the the leg, so below the knee as well, that's divided into uh, compartments, anterior, lateral, posterior. We're not going to go into them now, but um, that's another sample of... No, that's me, mate. Yeah, it's pretty clear which are which. Posterior, you've got gastrocnemius and soleus and what have you in there. There's a clear posterior compartment. The lateral compartment, then you've got the peroneal or fibular muscles. You know, the long, those both mean pin in Latin and Greek. So they're both long, pin-like. They're all long, pin-like muscles going down to the ankle. The anterior compartment is, well, if you stick your... If you put your hand, your fingers on your anterior leg, as in distal to your knee, and then elevate your toes, you can feel tibialis anterior contracting there's your anterior compartment that's a classic shin splint muscle isn't it yeah yeah and that anterior compartment compartment syndrome um is shin splints um and that's all innovated by sciatic nerve anyway so but yeah sort the thigh out and you're you're good you're (coughs) golden yeah all right brilliant everybody got that good was that helpful no no (laughs) okay um well thanks free that was good i mean a couple more notes um you can obviously get more information and notes and stuff from what i've been teaching in in the swansea course from my blog at uh, samwebster.net or don't be a salmon.com and you may well be getting this podcast from there i've also started doing something else with twitter you all on twitter you on twitter re uh no does that mean i fail yeah you fail um I mean, yes, okay, I talk about a lot of crap on Twitter and do all sorts. I've also started sticking out a few uh, anatomy and embryology questions and maybe a few things of note for the Swansea students. And other people listening to the podcast might also like to try and answer those questions or pick up those key points. On Twitter, I am at Samuel Webster. Um, So you can follow me if you're on. And you can um, send answers to the questions and so on and so on it might not work people might get bored of it but hey it's not costing me anything the aim yeah. is to get students to be able to practice the sort of questions i'll ask in an exam oh, oh all of a sudden i hear ears pricking up oh, everywhere exam. Exam. yes <laughs> <laughs> okay good stuff so we don't really know what we're going to do for the next five do we We've got yeah. an idea, but we might change it before we record it. I imagine we will. But if you've got any questions, as usual, send them in or any comments um, to s.v.webster at swansea.ac.uk. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Ree. Lovely. Thank you, Samuel. Catch you soon. Bye, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.